Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Can we talk about the characters I play in our one-on-one game together? Yeah, we totally can. They're kind of the best. They're my girls. They're my GM PCs. <laughs> they are that. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And for today's topic, we actually have a topic from K-pop and RPGs on Twitter who asked, uh, Hi, Pandas. So recently, after finishing a story arc, a player has decided to drop out of the campaign that I run. I wonder if that's a good opportunity to introduce a GM character, since there are only two PCs left and they might need some support. I'm not sure. What's the difference between like giving them a helpful NPC who joins their party and the, the bad stuff? that you hear about that. I'm ad-libbing a little bit. My apologies, K-pop and RPGs. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on advantages and disadvantages of having GM NPCs and your advice on them. Awesome. Yeah, GM PCs. I'm actually a fan of this topic. I have run uh, several successful GM PCs in the past. So I am for it uh, in general. I'm for GM PCs. So I think maybe let me start with a uh, quick definition between NPC and GMPC. Would that be helpful? Yeah, I think that'd be very helpful. And let's also just say, I think your stance as being generally for them is a little bit contrary to what a lot of people think. Um, But I think we're also going to talk about how and why you can use them to great effect well. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about why they can go wrong, right? When people yeah. <laughs> when people think poorly of GMPCs, it's often because, right, yeah. it's often because one of the things we're going to list. Yes. Um, so we'll talk about the pitfalls of it and how to avoid those things. So let's get on with an easy definition. Uh, NPC, right? Non-player character. We all know this term. Mm-hmm. Um, this is often some minor character. They can sometimes be a major character. But the NPC comes like in and out of a session or campaign. They could be a retainer that travels with your character, that kind of thing. So they, you know, they could be like a sidekick or something. They may or may not have the same stats or any stats, right? Like not every NPC has stats and maybe they have some stats. Maybe they have a simplified stat block, um, It doesn't matter. And they may or may not be detailed, right? Like the NPC at, you know, barkeep, like you may know their name and a little bit of description of them, but there's really nothing else to the NPC other than when the GM embodies the NPC and acts, you know, acts through them. Yes. A GM PC, a game master player character, is a full character that the GM creates and plays. And when I say creates, creates using the same rules as a player would use to create their character. So they have the same level of detail as a player character. And the GM plays that character as a member of the party. Yeah. Not like I'm carrying your extra swords, but like I am 
the thief. I just got a vision of like a sword caddy following around a bunch of adventurers and be like, yes, for this one, I offer you a rapier. And that was a very funny vision. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. That's actually, (laughs) I, if we, if there's any chance we remember it, I will tell you some jokes about that. Amazing. We've had some improv comedy based around that idea. Also, I'll tell you later. Anyway. Okay, okay. good. good. We'll come back to that. All right, but here's the difference, right? So let's get back to that difference. With an NPC, an NPC might be something like an NPC retainer, whereas a GMPC would be, would have the capacity of a equal member of the party. They have yeah. the same stats, detail. They're created the same way. They are one of the player character classes, if your system uses classes. I think you guys get what I mean. Right. right. Yeah. And the GM plays that character in addition to also embodying any NPCs, all the other work that the uh, GM does. So, you know, I say there are like 11 things that GMs have to do. If you mm-hmm. have a GMPC, you There's now have 12. 12. Yes. <laughs> Correct. All right. So as you said before, right, the GMPC is often maligned by those that give GM advice. Most people who give GM advice will tell you that having a GMPC is a terrible idea. I disagree. I do agree that it can go horribly wrong Mm -hmm. if you're not careful. Yes. But if we're thoughtful and careful, we can avoid those things. Yeah. If you want to hear my thoughts on this from a few years ago, in, in even more detail, right? In, in <laughs> both more detail, but also like probably four or five years ago. So I have evolving thoughts. So who yes. knows? Uh, yeah. If you are a patron, you can go into our archive of episodes, Misdirected Mark 210. Uh, Misdirected Mark is currently like on 500 something. Yeah, so uh, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, right? Misdirected Mark 210, Chris and I had a very similar discussion uh, and you will find some similarities. Um, in fact, the definitions are pulled right from 210 because I don't like to make up definitions where we have already defined things, right? So yes. I pulled the definitions out of 210 and I pulled some of the framework for our discussion out. But obviously, um, this will be us talking about it and not um, Chris and I talking about it. Yes. Cool. Which means new, a different and additional experience and different conversation. Indeed. So Senda. Sure. Yes. Why would anyone consider making a GMPC? Well, so just like K-pop and RPGs said, and this is also one of the reasons that um, we are doing it in one of the examples we're going to bring up a bunch, um, small number of players, right? When you need to fill out another role or another skill set or whatever it is in a game, um, this is one way to do it. Um, and, and then, and that's also one of the reasons you might, is there might be a very specific role that is missing. I think the one that we sort of reference frequently and jokingly is like, if you have a standard D and D group, but you don't have like a cleric, right? Like there's no healing in that party. That could be a challenge because of the way that the game is written to specifically organize around a sort of an assumed, um, makeup of the team of people. And if nobody was like, everybody was like, I don't want to play the cleric this time. Everybody's not doing it. Um, you might need to fill in that niche, right? Um, the GM might want to have a more sustained presence 
in the party or the group, right? Like it might be a plot thing. It might just be the way you guys like to play thing, you know, whatever it is um, to have a more consistent presence in the group as a character um, who has agency in the story. Yeah. So this is a, this, this kind of thing comes up when you have characters that are traveling a lot yeah. And you don't have established NPCs like you don't have yes. something they can come back to or um, they travel alone a lot. Like maybe it's a hex crawl and uh, and you just want to like also like you because GMs, I, I, I know it's true for me. I like to role play, like I, not yeah. just tell the story, but I actually like to embody characters and and play. And so if your players are like on the road and maybe not in not seeing a lot of people like maybe they're in a mega dungeon yeah they're not going to see anybody to like role play with for a while or maybe it's here and there but it's not consistent so maybe you want to have a gmpc in there so that you the gm also have a voice in the group but also the group has somebody else they can talk to besides themselves yeah yep Um, And then the other thing, and this also ties into that, right? If they're not talking to people very much, um, they can also be used as a way to help deliver setting and information, right? Um, Which is really handy when you combine it with some of the other reasons that we said you might do it. um, Because they can, you know, be a resource in character for other characters to be like, hey, how does this town work? Oh, yeah, I was here five years ago and it blah, 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 right? Like if you need to convey some of that stuff, um, you have sort of a a vessel through which to do it in character instead of having to do it as the GM feeding exposition or narration, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's stuff that can go wrong, though, right? (laughs) So I think there there's certainly reasons that GMPCs have gotten a bad rap over the years. Uh, what are some of those? Sure. Uh, the first one is the Mary Sue. Uh, the GMPC is so amazing uh, that it negates the need for one or more of the players to participate in the game. Yeah, uh, that that is just the GM. The GMPC just winds up outshining the characters. Um, this can be the result of a couple of things. Uh, one, the GM may have just like overdid optimizing the character. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have, um, you know, any number of th- like a couple lucky rolls. They could be putting their thumb on the scale and just making them better or whatever. But the Mary Sue is a, the most often when you hear horror stories about GMPCs, this is the reason you hear yeah. about the GM, like introduces a character they made. And then that character's awesome. And no one else really needs to play the game anymore because the GMPC can do it all. The DMPC can do it all. And now the GM is telling a story with themselves that you as the players are just kind of sitting on the edge side of the table watching and you kind of sit there and go write a book, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it, just go at, write a book at this <laughs> point, the, um, which call it at this point, the GMPC has become the main character yes. and the players have now become supporting characters. And yes. that is gone horribly wrong. Horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. Yep. I mean, I think the other thing, uh, one of the other things is you're like, you're the GM. So you also know all sorts of things about the world and the plot and the bad guys and all of this stuff, right? Um, so there's knowledge bleed. That, 100%. that like, 
that GM NPC, like that GM PC, the GM is playing them. You, you can't help but have knowledge that the players don't have. Yeah. And then you're going to act on it potentially. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to know that there's a trap in the hallway and also be playing the thief. Right. And be like, well, I rolled badly, so I'm still going to walk into the trap in the hallway. Right. It takes some discipline, right? It's not to say that GMs can't do that. There are many, many GMs who could pull that off, but it takes, it does take discipline. And if your GM has kind of fallen in love with their character, maybe they don't. I'll give a better example because the trap one's kind of like, the trap one's really bad. But let's just say that in the encounter, if you get too close to the edge of the cliff, sure. there's the, the, the adventure says like, you have to make a roll um, to avoid falling off. Right. But no one yeah. knows that going into the scene, like the, the edge is going to crumble. And, you know, it says in the adventure, like if a player stands in any of the squares on the edge of the, you know, on the edge of the precipice or whatever, um, you know, roll, make a, you know, reflex save or something. Otherwise, um, the edge crumbles away and the player, you know, now has to make another roll to avoid falling off or whatever. Yeah. And then when the GM's playing, even though there are some targets near the edge, they, they never don't. put their yeah. character over there, right? Like they just yeah. always make sure their character is like in a square that's not on the edge. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like that is a thing where even subconsciously you are like, you're using that meta information, right? There's knowledge bleed between the G, the player part of you playing your GMPC and the GM part of you who's running the adventure. Yes. Yeah. So, yep. so knowledge bleed is 100% a problem. Totally a thing. Cool. Um, the last one is that the GM winds up having too much fun being a player. Yeah. So I find this to be true in places where somebody is GMing and GMing is not their favorite thing to do. And then they make a GM PC and they wind up loving playing and are just kind of also GMing the game along. Like, but they get like way too into their character. They get into like way too many scenes with their character, um, all of those things. And like they're, they're, they're starting to actually um, be a little um, delinquent in their GMing activities. Yeah, I mean, I think it bleeds a little bit with the Mary Sue issue. Yep, also true. There's there's just a point where if you're the GM and you make a PC and you are more attached to your PC than you are to the rest of the players of the game, um, that's it's just a point where you're going to have trouble, right? Because you're in a position of power where it's hard not to favor this thing that you love. Yeah. Um, and if you are not as big or more a fan of the rest of the PCs in the game, then it's going to come out. And, you know, as a player in that game, it makes sense if you get resentful, if your character is always kind of second class to the character that has the direct line on the person who gets to make world decisions, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we've talked about why you might have one. We've talked about what could possibly go wrong. Now let's talk about a little bit of our own experience. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to actually pull an old experience from my gaming past, which was incredibly successful. This is probably the one of the most successful um, GMPCs I've ever had. Uh, this goes back to my Iron Heroes game in the early 2000s. Um, I had a character uh, named Keln 
Uh, Keln was a man at arms, so he was kind of like generic fighter. Mm-hmm. And I, the campaign didn't even start with Keln. But what had happened was in the middle of the campaign, one of the players wanted to switch their character from a martial type of character to this other like magical character. We weren't supposed to have magical characters in the game, but this character, this player just only loves playing magical characters. And there became an opportunity for a magical character in the game. And they asked like midway in the campaign, could they make a new character come in as a mage and have their other character kind of go away as an NPC that could come back? Um, They would play them from time to time in other uh, sessions. So I was like, yes, I'm going to allow this to happen. um, Because the story worked where having this mage came up was like a thing. I I don't want to get deep into the campaign lore of it, but I was like, no, this could be interesting story wise. But Iron Heroes is a martial uh, style D20 fantasy game where everything else is like some sort of fighter. And now the players were like down a fighter. Yeah. So I was like, okay, would you guys be okay if I made a character that came in as an additional fighter that you guys could use as a meat shield. You know, you could use it for flanking bonuses. You could use it to block, you know, certain attacks, protect the wizard, whatever. So they were amenable to that. So I did, I made uh, Keln using all the rules from Iron Heroes, made them, you know, the appropriate level to the players. We came up with a place in the story for where Keln fit in. And uh, he had his own character sheet. I actually had separate dice for Kelm that stayed outside of my screen. Nice. My GM dice stayed inside my screen because, Mm -hmm. and I will just admit this, because it was a D20 game. I was um, rolling behind. I was fudging rolls from time to time as a GM. Yeah. But Kelm's dice were always outside of the screen. Kelm rolled what he rolled. Yeah. Like it was on display for the characters. So I tried to keep him as separate um, as possible. And then, uh, you know, I could use Keln to um, do some of the things. So one, he filled in a missing role. Two, he bolstered up the players by having another character in there. And um, I could use him for um, setting information and as well as NPC uh, interaction. Keln had a background. I don't want to get into it, but Keln had a lot of knowledge of the ancient world. So Keln was able to share said knowledge from time to time as like additional exposition, which was kind of a nice tool for it. Um, So anyway, all right. So that was that was Keln. And we'll talk more as we get into this about why Keln worked. But um, but sure, I was a big fan. I was a big fan of Keln. How about why don't you tell us about the two GMPCs that we have in our Long Live the Queen game? Yeah. And I these ones are interesting. Because the other thing about these two is that we made them together, right? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, sort of let's, a, a let's whole thing, which we're thing. definitely going to get into. So um, Long Live the Queen, if if you um, have, have missed us previously chatting about it, is a game that Phil and I are playing in Cortex. Um, I am the only player. So it's just me, right? Um, and it's uh, mostly a historical sci-fi uh, spy game. 
and I'm a spy. So I'm um, in this specific setting, kind of like a James Bond style character, except that um, because of the setup and the setting itself, there and just the fact that like it's honestly more interesting, I, I think um, it doesn't necessarily make sense for my character to act completely on her own in a vacuum, right? Like, I need an M, I need a Q, like, I, I gotta have, like, some of that support staff. You definitely, you need a backup in case something goes wrong, right? all like, of those things. Because there's, there's no getting, there's no getting out, right? Like, if, if I didn't have anybody kind of on Overwatch, etc. So, um, we came up with uh, two characters, um, Suzette and Geraldine. Um, Geraldine is... Um, sort of a a shy mouse but she is also my techno wizard so this game is set um essentially in the court of <laughs> king louis um think three musketeers right um and uh, but with modern technology infiltrating. Um, so I need someone who can essentially be the hacker, the um, MacGyver, um, the person who can make a bug that I get to plant, um, like all of the stuff, all of the the goodies that James Bond runs around with. Like I need the person who can do that, but I also need her to be able to do that on the fly with me on a job, right? Mm-hmm. Um so, for example, in one of our previous um, escapades, that's not quite the word I was looking for, but it will definitely Mission. work. Mission, thank you. Um, you know, I had to steal, we, we were trying to get information. I actually stole a phone off of someone, continued to distract them and passed the phone to Geraldine behind me. She went and took care of the phone stuff, handed it back to me, and I like pickpocketed it back into the target's pocket kind of deal, right? So I need someone on scene with me who can do that kind of stuff because that while I can do like a little bit of it because I'm a jack of all trades I need someone who's really good at it um so that's kind of Geraldine Suzette is my overwatch so she's my like eyes on the um broad um situation get me out if I'm stuck I go in I go in alone most of the time but like someone's out there to hopefully get me out and she is also the person who has like a really strong network of social connections. Um, so she like, she, she's the, the one in the crew who's always like, I know a guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is also exceedingly handy. Do I have connections? Yes, of course I do. But Suzette's thing is like the network and she is, um, outside of like her, her, her public facing face is like socialite noble socialite right um so she really knows everybody um and there are many people who owe her favors or have relationships with her in which they are willing to do favors for her Mm -hmm. um did that pretty much cover it for Suzette and Geraldine so that's who they are um they 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 have their own character sheets they definitely have their own character sheets I so this is um it was slightly different I think than how you made Kelm in that when we sat down and made my character we made Suzette and Geraldine at the same time, right? And so we made decisions together um, about what their specialties were, um, what their, um, oh no, I've forgotten what it's called in Cortex. I'm trying to say feats, but that's certainly not it. Their Um, talents, their special effects. talents and their special effects, right? Like we decided together what those things would be um, based on what's useful. And I level them up. Right. Yep. 
I'm you making decisions um, every time we um, every time I do an advancement for um, my character, Aveline, I also spend the same amount of advancement um, for Suzette and Geraldine. And I decide yep. where they go and how it's spent. And, and you know, if there's any additional special effects, items, etc. Right. Right. And so the piece where I come in is I actually play these two characters. Yes. Like I am both the voice of Suzette and Geraldine. I am yeah. the person who acts out um, what they do, but you actually manage them mechanically. And actually you make all the roles for Suzette and Geraldine. I do not make yeah. those roles. Yeah. We just, I mean, I just, I decide what they actually do. They give me information, but yeah, you, you are the voice and all of the personality of both of those yes. characters. Yeah. Yeah. So they're technically GMPCs because I actually play them like yeah. the other members of the party, but yeah. mechanically you actually handle the um, mechanics of Geraldine and Suzette. Yeah. Although cool. they do. Yeah. And like we said, we have their, they have their own full character sheets, just like my character sheet. Yep. Um and built out all together. Conveniently, yeah. all in the same uh, Google Sheets. Conveniently in the same like, Google Sheets. Yep. It'd be prettier if I could do it in numbers, but it would be harder to share, so. No, but it's nice when we're online. I can also have it open and switch tabs and see yeah, their stuff. Yeah, we both just have it up. Yeah, it's yep. very and, handy. And again, they, when we made them, what we did was when your character, Aveline, picked all of her core skills, Geraldine and Suzette were built to fill in the parts that you did not have so that you actually have between the three of you, a well-rounded party. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that was, that was, yeah, we did that very specifically and we did it based on what I chose to put all my points in and where we needed to fill in. Yeah, exactly. All right. So cool. So now having explained the reasons for having them, having explained the pitfalls and talking about some of our more successful GMPC cases. Let's talk about how you can make this work for your game. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to seem over simplistic here, but <laughs> sure, allow sure. me to say this so that we, so that you know that we are aware of this when we give advice. Yes. At its simplest, we want to maximize the good reasons for having a GMPC Yes. And minimize the things that can go wrong, right? Yes. If we tell you that most GM advice is communication, this is the other, like the smaller slice of the pie. Yeah, this is the rest of it. <laughs> this is the rest <laughs> the of the pie. other 10%, yeah. Correct. <laughs> so that will be, that's blatantly obvious. But now let's talk about specifically from the things that we had listed above. Let's talk about how we maximize that good, how we minimize that bad. And we'll be drawing on examples from our characters as we do this. So the first one, let me just state this for maximizing the good. The first one is this works best in games with small numbers of players. Yes. My so how Iron, many players were there in Iron Heroes? Yeah. So Iron Heroes is a, Iron Heroes was a, um, D20, uh, D20 fantasy game, right? Mm -hmm. So should have minimum four players. Four players, yeah. Would have suited more players. Five to right? six probably, yeah. I had three. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. when we created Kaln, one of them stopped being a fighting character. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I went from three character, three martial characters to two martial characters and a wizard and then added another martial character. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, and then, of course, as we said, for Long Live the Queen, I am the only player, which right. 
comes with some challenges, um, both in terms of filling out all of the potential skills and stuff that you might need, but also, and people don't think about this, I think very often is if you are the only player character in a game, and especially one like this, where it is a spy game and there's a lot of like, okay, let's plan this, you know, job basically, right? Um, and we have like a prep preparedness skill and stuff. So like we have fallback, right? But there's a lot of work to be done to go into a mission-based situation. And you know what's really, really hard is thinking of everything for that as a single person sure. with just the one brain. Like that's hard. It's hard. So um I so, actually yeah. help participate in that a bit. Yes, because you have to, because like I can't sometimes I honestly get stuck I'm yep. like uh I don't know what else to look at you know <laughs> like I yep. need and, Geraldine you know, to tell me a thing and that's um, where I come in and am you know like Geraldine and Suzette will help out yeah so, I don't anyway, roll to help no, you out fine. I just help I out. roll but but you help me by having the conversations yes about like what are we gonna do because yep. we're used to having those conversations at tables full of players and, and there are things so We'll get into this in a second with um, Knowledge Bleed. I won't tell you stuff. I will just remind you of capabilities. Like, sure. you know, or, Suzette has a network of people, you know, like, oh, yeah, can we make, you know, can we build an asset out of Suzette's network? Yeah. Right. Or yes. you may just ask me questions. Yes. Sometimes True. they just ask you questions like, how are you going to get out? Yes. How are you going to get in? That kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. And make me talk through it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But in character as Geraldine yep. or Suzette, which is useful of you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So small number we've covered. Mm -hmm. um, I think, again, we've done a good job of covering this. The GMPC should fill. I'm going to state this very clearly. Yes. GMPC should fill a role that no one has. And. And. and Yes. The party needs. Yes. Like jamming in a GMPC <laughs> into a role that no one really needs is nice, but now you have different reasons for playing this character, right? Like you're just in there to play a character. Yes. Um, if the party can get on without your character, why are you there? You shouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, Kelm absolutely filled that role. Um, in fact, in fact, I picked Kelm's weapons, uh, which was shield and trident, um, specifically for Kelm's ability to protect other characters. Yeah. Amazing. And not only was Kelm there to protect the wizard, but one of the other characters was, um, the, uh, king of the, um, he was the king of a displaced kingdom. And so Kelm's actual main role was to make sure the king remained safe. Yeah. Then that makes so, perfect sense, right? Yeah. And and in Iron Heroes, there were things you could do with like shields and stuff that could protect other players and things like that. So that was Keln's role. And as we talked about with Geraldine and Suzette, Geraldine and Suzette bring the other skill sets that Aveline doesn't directly have. Yeah. That Especially it doesn't, Geraldine. Yeah. Especially Geraldine. Yeah. There's a little bit of overlap with me and Suzette. Not really. Like we don't function Not, the same way we don't do correct. the same stuff but like potentially i guess networking we could overlap on a little bit um, but no one has the tech skills like but Geraldine. no one has the tech skills that geraldine has um so like yes yeah. it would totally be very works. difficult without her yep yeah. uh 
other the last part of maximizing good right give them personality and play them in scenes yeah. um and i did that with kelm i kelm was a fully developed character and in fact one of the things i used to do uh in that iron heroes game was i would write my recaps like fictional vignettes yeah and before kelm i would just like pick an npc that was like watching from the side of the road or something and i would tell you know i would recap the story happened sure but kelm would do it as he was writing letters to his wife. Aw. So he would be cool. like, you know, he would be telling her, um, you know, their exploits and things like that. And I would also share Kelm's insights into the characters, mm -hmm. um, That's which awesome. the players then got to hear what Kelm thought of the player, like what the characters amazing. had done. Yes. That's amazing. It was a nice way to backdoor some editorial stuff. Like there were some times sure. when the characters didn't do some of the best things and Kelm for sure called them out on it in Absolutely, the letter. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would never call them out personally yeah, on in it. In person. But yeah. But in the letter. I definitely back backdoored end. some personal. Um, amazing. Editorial content into that i yeah. love it yeah cool uh, and as we said for suzette and geraldine i am suzette and geraldine yeah and they do actually have two very distinct personalities where they you said very geraldine's very do. mousy yep. suzette is um suzette is basically the samantha of um in our um what you call it, in in sex and city terms some Suzette is like somewhat built like Samantha in that she's um, way more forward, a bit more um, out there kind of thing where Geraldine yeah. is very reserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I love them. Suzette, Suzette, <laughs> doesn't, Su Suzette does not hesitate to call you out um, when you have done something or tease you about it, where Geraldine is um, very protective and mothering. In fact, one of Geraldine's distinctions is mother that, hen. I think, right? Yeah, mother yeah. hen of mother hen of the team. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're great, and you know, again, it gives you the uh, chance to have um, somebody to play the game with. Yeah, and another like repeat character. Yeah. Um, and more more um people to be consistently engaging with and, you know, investing mm -hmm. in um, those personalities and those relationships as a 100%. player character. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Let's, let's talk about minimizing the bad stuff, right? Cause this is really the important part, right? It like, is kind of the important part. How yeah. do you not fuck this up? Right? Can like, I, let's be clear. Can I add something in before of we even get can. to yeah. like, so we're going to go through like addressing some of the issues that we listed earlier, but this has kind of come up. I think we just need to say it really explicitly. I don't think you should introduce a GM PC without talking to your players before you do it. Um, and this is like, so this is a thing that in both of these circumstances that we're using as positive examples, everybody was on board, right? In the situation with the Iron Heroes game, you asked them, they said, yes, cool. In um, Long Live the Queen, we set this up together from the beginning. Um, and, you know, so obviously consent, right? And communication, that other thing we always talk about for GM advice. Um, maybe don't drop a GM PC on your players without having some sort of conversation about with them if they're going to be okay with it right and tell them how you're going to do it and what your plan is so that they know what to expect absolutely everything you said um great if you can do it in session zero 
Um, sure. Which is always, what we did well, with Suzette. Well, it's always great well, when you can we did, do it in Session Zero. We did it in Session Zero with Suzette and Geraldine, which allowed us then to um, create our characters appropriately. Yeah. I obviously didn't have that chance with Keln because it was a mid-game change, but we did pause the game and like address what to do with Keln and then worked like worked Keln into the game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we did we did make those adjustments. The other thing I will say is, and this is going to be just my personal editorial. I don't think this is hard advice. This is just Phil's advice. I'm and I, you know, I think I've GM long enough. I, I will make this advice. I don't try to put a GMPC into a game. The GMPC for me is the last fix yeah. to this problem. If I can fix this problem with just an NPC, yeah. then like if just a retainer or an R2 unit or something like that will kind of solve the problem, mm -hmm. then I will just do an I will just do an NPC yeah. and solve the problem like that. I only solve this problem with the GMPC when the other criteria come up. We don't have a lot of players. Yeah. We are missing a critical niche for this game to go forward. Like yes. I, as a GM, cannot figure out how these players will survive the game as it is written without said piece. Yeah. Skill package, class, ability, whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah. And I haven't figured out another convenient way to give them that with like first. Yes. Okay. So that just said, like, I don't jump into, like, I don't play a GMPC in every game that no. I play. Yeah. I will play an NPC in a most games. Like, I will play an NPC that tags along with the party in many games. Um, Ox is a good example of that. Yeah, I was going to say, because, like, Ox almost sounds like it starts to fulfill some of these, right? You got three players. It's not a ton of them. You know, yada, yada, yada. But... They don't, there's nothing that they're not doing themselves. Ox is actually a piece of his sentient. Yeah. Ox's main function is a sentient starship, which has yeah. a different set of stats because it has stats as a starship. Right. Um, not a, not a fleshy correct. thing. Yep. But Ox also has a personality. So mm -hmm. as an NPC, Ox often interjects into conversations and things like that. Yep. Ox is probably a borderline. I actually don't know. Ox is know. a little borderline maybe. Yeah. Ox is, Ox is somewhere right on the edge of NPC and GMPC. And but, probably as the game has gone on, has pushed closer to GMPC. Yeah. Yeah. But Ox is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because there's a piece of this where like Ox is with them a lot. But when they are, say, on a planet off doing something, Ox would be responsive if they reached out, right? Like ping, but Ox is not like, you know. So mid-campaign. Yeah. The characters recovered oh, a no. frame. Oh, that no. That is a humanoid frame. Ox can actually now travel to the oh, planet. Oh, snap. No, you're right. Ox has gotten significantly closer yeah. to that line. Ox, that is Ox different is, from when I guessed it in that game. Yeah. Ox can actually occupy both the ship and the frame simultaneously. So yeah. they are still one character. Yeah. Uh, but they are both, they are both. Now, they don't always take Ox to the surface with them. Yeah. So if they don't, the frame stays in the ship on the bridge. Yeah. Not that Ox needs to, but does like run both That's of them. That's just a comfy place. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they can, if they want to, they can actually take Ox with them on a field trip. 
That's um, very ancillary justice of you. Like, there's a lot of. <laughs> I mean, I'm making the face, right? Let's have yes, an lucky feel here. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, sure. Yeah. Like, Heck. Heck. Okay. Anyway, yes. Yeah. Moving, moving right along. That is that's an interesting, um, you know, perspective maybe on this that I I don't know that we've specifically addressed. And um, I do think that based on our definition, since their stats are different than a PC's stats in that game, they still end up landing on the side of NPC. But there is potentially a future conversation about what happens when an NPC becomes so major in the game that they sort of morph into a GM PC. Um, but yeah, cause there's some weird moments. Like for instance, um, Bob has pi- like Bob pilots Ox. Yes. Like even though Ox is a sentient starship and can yes. fly themselves, yes. there are times where Bob is like, I'm taking the controls and I'm flying Ox. Yes. And then Ox is equipment. Even yes. though Ox is like giving running commentary during the during the course of the adventure. It's interesting. I mean, I think maybe the key thing is that it is not an issue in the game to remove agency from Ox, which is we could have a moral discussion about robots, etc. But like, let's just talk about this from a game mechanically perspective, right? Like Ox is not a PC, so the agency of the PCs in the storyline trumps the agency of an NPC in the storyline. Well, and I'm pretty sure that Bob's piloting is better than Ox's piloting. Yeah. Like Ox is a pretty good pilot. Bob is a excellent pilot. So there are a couple times where it's been dicey where Bob has been like, let me take the controls. I will fly us through this. Yeah. So anyway, that's oh boy. So I just I will talk about this later, probably in the uh, Bamboo Lounge. But boy, I just finished finished reading Psalm for the Wild Built, which is an entire book about humans and robots and some of the interesting moral and ethical dilemmas of that from a completely new and different perspective than we have seen. It is not the Star Trek. Do you have a soul perspective? We already moved past that. And um, it's fascinating. And now I'm really fascinated by Ox in this situation I mean, I will tell you, from a moral a whole, perspective. Um, <laughs> there was a whole um, storyline in Ox about whether, um, where the characters had to prove to the world government that Ox was a sentient creature. And when they failed to do it and lost the court case, they left. Yeah. They were like, we're the hell out of here because we're not handing over Ox to you. Nor right. does Ox want to be handed over. Anyway, right. yeah, we yeah, diverge. Yeah. Anyway, we totally allow diverge. Me, allow <laughs> me to allow me to get us back on track. Yes. Talking about minimizing the bad. Yes. Okay. So how do you avoid doing the things that make GMPCs um, miserable for player characters? Let's first talk about how do you avoid the Mary Sue problem? Yeah. Um, and this is this is something we did so intentionally as we did it together, right, for Geraldine and Suzette, which is we built the GMPC to fill in the missing stuff and very carefully to not do any niche encroachment on my player character, who is, let's just be real clear, there's only one player character in this game, she is the main character and she has to stay that way or else you know things would get real weird right so even if you don't 
normally worry about it too much, like as a player um, or, you know, if an N, a normal NPC maybe um, has a little bit of niche encroachment temporarily or something, it is so, 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 so important for you to not um, step on the toes of players in terms of the cool things that they can do when you are a GM PC. Yeah. I mean, I know some, I know a lot of GMs and I know a lot of players who are like, yeah, I don't really care about niche encro encroachment. It's fine or whatever. Sure. And I will say that, cool, that's fine when it comes to other characters and things like that. But because the GM is, while the GM is a player, but also not, is also not just a player, it is really important that the GM PC, um, not encroach on player niches players have niches to have fun and if the gm pc is now having more fun than the player is in that role what are you yep. doing yeah what are you doing why are you exactly. doing this go write a book yeah, yeah. um so don't do that <laughs> don't do that <laughs> okay. um how do you because this yeah. this one is really interesting to me and it happens all the time with geraldine and suzette so talk to me about how we minimize the the issue of knowledge bleed yeah. So knowledge bleeds tricky, right? Like it, you can't really partition off your brain. Yeah. Um, you can really have not. discipline to avoid doing that stuff, which I think is fine. You can try to have discipline. Um, we all have better and weaker moments um, when we do just straight discipline. So what I think the really the best thing to do is while the GMPC is your character as the GM, you should not make all the decisions for that for that character and what i mean is depending on the type of game you're playing there are certain like certain decisions will be harder to compartmentalize than others yeah so for keln tactical choices in combat since this was a tactic this was a martial d20 game there was a lot of fighting yeah. in this game so one of the things that I did with Keln is I never picked Keln's targets. Yeah. The players were allowed to move Keln around the board, like around the battle mat, any way they saw fit. Yep. Like if I defeated an enemy, I would turn to the players and say, who would you like Keln to fight next? They would point and then I would move in that direction and engage the character. Now, I knew Keln's character well enough that like I knew Keln's abilities, feats and things like that. So I would choose how I wanted to attack. Like, oh, I'm going to do this attack. I'm going to do that attack. I'm going to whatever. And I would, you know, I would, I would use Keln to create as much damage in an attack as possible. Yes. But I never picked Keln's targets. So I didn't like purposely pick the weakest target or, um, you know, I didn't try to avoid the target that had poison on their, you know, like poison on their, you know, sword or whatever. Yeah. I, the players were allowed to um, do that. And then the players wouldn't know any kind of secret stuff. So sometimes they would just send Kellen to like, you know, get his ass kicked. Yeah. Um, but that was like the way that, um, that was the way we avoid that. And then the other part is, Keln never picks a direction. Like if you're in a dungeon, Keln never tells you which way to go. Yeah. You have to tell, like, you have to tell Keln, like, even if you split the party, you have to be like, cool, um, we're going this way. Keln and so-and-so take the right passage. Yes. Yeah. Like 
I, that's how I compartmentalize that knowledge is like, I never pick a direction. I never pick a door. The players can always just, could always just tell Kellen what to do. Where to go, what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's interesting in, so in our game, because it's not really super martial, um, fighting hasn't come up a ton of times, actually. Um, Just a couple of, once really cool big but like i mean it comes up occasionally right it definitely Mm -hmm. comes up we're not avoiding it but also if we're in a fight i'm probably doing the vast majority of the fighting like those two can definitely fight they can um and they have some cool supporting things but it's probably me um i don't remember where i was going with this right a lot of what we're doing with suzette and geraldine because they are built to be like main support characters um is deciding like what work are they doing as part of our planning to go do this mission? And the way that we're managing it in Long Live the Queen is that I decide what they're going to do. Like we sit down, we talk about it like we were talking about before. We have the conversations about it in character. And then I decide Geraldine's going to go build this bug, right? Our plan is Geraldine's going to build this bug. I'm going to plant it on this guy and we're going to get this information, right? So that's the plan. And then I know what Geraldine's task is and I roll for her with her character sheet. Yeah. And a lot of times um, Geraldine and Suzette do a lot of uh, prep work for the, um, they do a lot of prep work to get you ready. Like they build, they build assets that you will be able to use yeah. During, on, during the game. On site, right? Yeah. On mission. Yeah. We do or a lot of uh, research, that, yeah. like that kind of thing. Yeah. And then when it comes to the actual doing stuff, yeah. um, they you, like you, you now have some assets on the table that you can use and then you go forth and do stuff. And then Suzette's there in case anything goes horribly wrong yeah. on she, your way out. You have she backup. could extract me basically, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you um, ever go down, like you almost went down in an adventure. I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she's my extraction crew. Um, yeah. So that's and it, and if that were to happen, it's really interesting. Um, it hasn't happened yet. So it'll be interesting to see like how we kind of play that through, right? Yeah. I guess I'm just still it came close once. It, it came, came close. close. There was one time you almost didn't make it onto the jet. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> it was pretty so. major. It was pretty tense, but you did a good job. Pretty tense. It was a very close thing. It was like one more round and it would have gotten very interesting. It got very hairy. Um, Cool. Yeah. But, but yeah. So I guess Phil voices everything and he has to compartmentalize the information from the perspective that you're not going to tell me stuff that I shouldn't know that they shouldn't know. Right. Yeah. Um, But you aren't making the decisions. So you can't be influenced by your additional knowledge on the decisions. Yeah. Cool. cool. And I mean, the other thing I do is I often don't prep um, when we play our games. I don't prep the approach for yeah. how you're going. Like I give you a mission objective. Yeah. And then I don't determine like how you're going to carry out that objective. Yeah. Which then also prevents um, knowledge bleed because I really don't have a clue. And sometimes I don't even like I don't even prep everything. So we like do our planning 
once you tell me what the, like, you know, after we've done all of our planning, yeah. I will then go and prep the rest of the adventure because yeah. now I know like, okay, cool. This is the parts I need to fill in kind of thing. Yeah. Which is very so. one last job of you. Like, yeah. It works fine, right? It works great. It's great. I mean, there's a reason that that game ticks along really nicely. Um, yeah. So the, the last one is interesting, right? Having too much fun as the GM PC. How do you not do that? Yeah, I mean, you, you're, I mean, look, you have to remember your primary job is you got to still run this game, right? Yeah. You're, you're there for, um, you're there to provide character support. Um, so you, you got to like, I think you summed it up best when we did the pregame. So can you, can you just say it again? Do you remember? Maybe I sort of remember. I'll, I'll, I, I'll, mean, I'll, I'll, I'll start you off. I think you'll remember. Yeah. You're. As the GMPC, you are not a main character yeah. in this story. Yes, you're the supportive best friend. Exactly. Yeah, which is a specific role trope. That's a very important person who is a very full character when it happens. But yeah, you got to play the supportive best friend role. Yeah, You, you can't be not, the one who does the main things in the story. Right. As you said, you do not have main character energy. Yeah, you don't have main character energy. Yeah. Yeah. Suzette and Geraldine are not leading anything anywhere, Mm -mm. right? Suzette and Geraldine work, like you three work together, but in the dynamic of the relationships of those characters, Aveline leads that group. Yeah. Suzette and Geraldine, like, follow Aveline's lead. Yes. Keln never led anything, right? Keln was the bodyguard to the king. Yeah. Um. But also could kick ass when he needed to. Yeah. What the other thing I will say is find places outside of the game if you want to have fun with this character. Keln's recaps were a tremendously fun way for me to play Keln without outshining the PCs and without yeah. interrupting the flow of the game. That like, is really you, smart. Yeah. Yeah. Like using Keln to tell what happened in the previous episodes to do the recaps was a great way for me to embody the character, but, and, and actually get spotlight time, right? Get spotlight time, Mm -hmm. but not in the middle of an actual play session. Yeah. And in a way that was still helpful and engaging for everybody else. Exactly. Because it was, it was still fulfilling a purpose and a need that the table and the PCs had which was yeah. the recap, right? In When I play Ox, the way I deal with Ox is I, the players will get into a conversation mm-hmm. and because they all have comms and they can all hear each other unless they've gone private, yeah. Ox will interject. Yeah. Like Ox doesn't always, unless there's a scene in the game that specifically Ox goes to talk to somebody, yeah. Ox's role is like as the players are having fun and they're like, bantering with each other or whatever ox will interject and jump in and sometimes be funny and sometimes you know point something out or whatever um but if then they're if they're doing other stuff then ox stays quiet yeah because then i'm gming yeah right or if the players need something they call out ox then i immediately and shift ox into responds. ox yeah. right yeah exactly so the other tips i think i have of this is like yes one you are still the gm you have to run the game that that has to be your priority if playing the character is more fun than running the game, maybe somebody else should be running the game and yeah. maybe like you maybe shouldn't you should be like you should be playing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do both. Yeah. Um, you also have to be willing to kill your GM PC, right? This falls under your kill your di- your darlings. Um, Keln could have gotten killed at any time. 
yeah. in the game. Yeah. And it would have been sad if I lost Keln, but it was not my story. Yeah. It was the player's stories. Keln was just there. And if Keln had died protecting the king, then that's what would have happened to Keln. Again, um, supportive best friend, not main character. Right. I, I don't know if I can sum it up better than that. That is like <laughs> the best way to sum it up. You do not have main character energy. Yeah. You are the supportive character. You are prominent. Yeah. But you are supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's, I think that's the best way to say it. Yes. Um, and for me, it's easy because I am a forever GM and I actually love GMing. I, I actually love GMing more than I, than I love playing. So it's not hard for me to, um, to embody a GM PC and then back off on it and just go back to GMing. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I have personally ever run a GM PC, but I think it has to do with the, the style of games that I run um, are, you know, no matter what happens, it's significantly less of an issue to not have quote niche fulfillment. Right. Um, and I think that's just a, a hallmark of the specifics of the games that I tend to run. Um, not that I wouldn't do it under those circumstances. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Good. I, I think that's a pretty uh, good tour through the GMPC. Why you might want to have one, what can go wrong and how to, uh, how to make the best out of it while, you know, avoiding the worst. Yeah. I mean, if you have more questions about GMPCs, hit us up. Hit us up. We're happy to talk more about it. In the meantime, let's head off to the closing. And in order to do that, we got to climb over this blurb that you left <laughs> on the floor. So I know. Uh, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't clean it up yet. Um, but, you know, if you want to hear uh, Misdirected Mark plays where Phil, Chris, Bob, and Jerry play and discuss a campaign they've created and are currently playing, which is currently Children of the Shout, another Cortex game that I'm super into because high school swashbuckling I don't remember. Magic. There we go. High school swashbuckling magic. I'm like here for this setting. <laughs> it's great. Um, anyway, now, instead of just hearing them talk about the theory of gaming and game mastering of the games that they are currently playing, you can actually hear what they're doing at the table. And right now, that means that you can hear my fantastic co-host, Phil, actually GMing um, a game that you can listen to. Um, put my money where my mouth put is. Put your money where your mouth is. You give a lot of GMing advice. Now you can prove you're good at it, which BT dubs, you totally are. Anyway, it's a fun oh, game thanks. to listen to. Um, and it comes full circle on their players, exploratory so. play series. Yes, MM plays. So check out the new Misdirected Mark format. Cool. Say so send away to people find us on the internet. Well, you, you can still find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. Um, I might resuscitate the Facebook page. Should I resuscitate the Facebook page? I might resuscitate the Facebook page. I don't know. Social media is such a horror scape these days. Anyway, um, you can definitely find us on Mastodon at Idella Mithland and at DNA Phil on Dice.Camp. You can also find us using those same usernames on the Tiki Talkies. And if you don't like any of those places, because as I just said, social media, what the heck, um, you can always drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can check out the forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. And once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Uh, much like K-pop and RPGs, you can ask us a question, bring up a topic that you'd like us to discuss. Whatever it is we can do to help you out to make your game more better fun. That is what we're here for. 
Um, in all seriousness, we want you to have more fun when you're playing and uh, by giving you advice, sharing our insights and our experiences, if that helps you have m more better fun, then you are going to have a better time when you run games. Your players are going to have a better time when you play games, which means you're going to play more games, which means you're going to reap the benefits of playing role-playing games for a lot longer, which my old ass here will tell you is very good. Those benefits are very good. So do it. Uh, let us help you um, have more better fun at your game. If you like what we do here or elsewhere in the Misdirected Mark Network, consider supporting our Patreon campaign. You go to patreon.com slash MMP. Your Patreon monies get you a bunch of things. It gets you access to the Slack Room for Life. Uh, it will let you into the archives where you could find episode 210 of Misdirected Mark, where Chris and I talk about GMPCs and hear what we had to say about them. You will also get things at some of the different tiers. You can get access to um, some of the MM Plays materials. So there's some campaign materials. I do a Patreon only behind the screen where I talk about my prep for the upcoming. Actually, you hear it after the story because Chris can't edit it. Yeah, before we play it because I often then, tell yes. talk about it yes. but what's cool is you can hear the actual play and then you can hear me the night before I typically record it like right before we um we play that story you can hear my thoughts about what went into the making of that story and then you can actually hear how it comes out in play yeah like you just hear them in cool. reverse order yeah, yeah um but it works um, and I think at some other levels, you can get access to design materials as we design stuff, um, for play and things like that. So consider all of those things. Um, your money that, um, that you, that you pay monthly goes to keeping our lights on our servers running our mic cables and all of that stuff. It takes stuff to make, you know, to make the network and to make all this stuff go. And it's your patronage that helps us immensely. So thank you very much. There is one more thing you could do. It's so, it's, I don't want to say simple. It takes a little bit of your time. doesn't cost any money. So if you can't, you know, if you can't back us on Patreon, we understand. But you could do this thing. Helps us a bunch. What is that thing, Senda? Uh, yeah, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And that's kind of like telling a stranger that you like listening to this show. But you could also just, uh, you know, tell somebody when you see people going, I'm looking for a system agnostic, non-actual play podcast. And then you say, have you heard of Pandas Talking Games? Frequently, people come and listen to us. And then we get to meet awesome new people, have an influx of cool new questions um, that, you know, people haven't asked before or that we haven't addressed in a long time or that are being asked in a different way. Um, and all of that stuff is super great. We love it. And thank you so much for spreading the word. Indeed, indeed. Say, Senda, what do you need Suzette and Geraldine to do tonight? Um while you're getting ready to infiltrate that terrorist group. I think Suzette needs to distract her friend whose house we're staying at so that he doesn't notice that I'm leaving in the middle of the night. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
Yeah. Hello. I have waveforms. I also have waveforms. Alrighty. Hello, Ryan. (sighs) We're going to be doing this quote fast today. (laughs) I mean, we're going to do our best. Yes. We're going to do our best. We got more stuff to do. I am motivated to get some other stuff done. So. Yep. Allons-y, as my (laughs) French teacher would say. Also the doctor, I believe. Okay, to be fair, for that 10 seconds of silence, I just counted like rotations of my washing machine that I can hear going in the basement. Yeah, I don't think anyone else can hear it. Yeah, I don't think so either. All righty. Bloop. Boom, boom. Does this shirt make my boobs look bigger? Am I gonna say that stuff? Yeah, Ryan's like Ryan's so definitely sorry. gonna go put that into the. <coughs> I know. I mean, but I was yes. noticing. I mean, I don't know. There's something about the pattern that I was like, my boobs I mean, look gigantic on the video. Okay. Anyway, let's move right along. Okay. Well, now that you've mentioned it, like <laughs> now I can't stop seeing it. All right. Bloop. Perfect. Yeah. Show me what you got. Show, Show me, me what, what you, you got. got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Uh-huh.